0: I just want to, to tell you that I believe that you are in the right place. Okay, I got, okay, I got, some of you might be lost then. If you, I think you're in the right place this morning. Uh, I, I'm so, um, I'm so blessed to be a part of the local church And this is a church family that I've been a part of for a long time, and it's a a church family that I feel very blessed to be a part of, and I I just want to encourage you. I think you're at the right place at the right time today, and this is a place where you can belong. We've got a lot of great churches in Marquette, uh, but this happens to just be one of those local expressions of the body of Christ, and this is... For me, this is where my church home is. And so if you're looking for a place like that, uh, don't be afraid to uh, to make Silver Creek your church home as well. We're wrapping up our series. Um, I'm really excited about today. Um, in fact, I probably preached a little too long in the first service because I was so excited about it. So now I've got that out of my system. And so, you know, we can sort of, sort of uh, get the right length here today uh, in the second service. But we've been starting with Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 almost every week. So let me read that. And um, uh, and we'll get started here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So today what I'd like to do is I'd like to really go into three what I believe are going to be helpful questions <clears throat> about anxiety. And I want to jump right in with question number one, and that is this, what can We do about our anxiety, and I'm making this personal now for each one of us. This is about us individually, and I am not talking about clinical forms of anxiety, okay? And let me just stop right here, and I I need everybody to make sure that you hear what I'm going to say. If you suffer from overwhelming anxiety or depression... I want you to reach out to someone. In fact, it's probably going to have to be more than one person. And one of those people is probably going to need to be a professional. If you have a sense of overwhelming anxiety, it is not something to fight alone. Okay? And I say that because I come from uh, a generation where in the church... It was shameful to talk about such things. You did not admit that. I'm just being honest with you. And I'm telling you that if you're suffering in that way, please reach out to someone. So today, we're going to talk about this first question, what can I, we do about our anxiety? Number one, and this is huge, talk about it. Just talk about it. I know some of you already, you can feel yourself tensing up. You're just like this. Your shoulders are getting high. You know, you're like, oh, 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 he wants me to tell everybody that I have anxiety. I didn't say that. I didn't say tell everybody, did I? But you need to tell someone. There's a difference between everybody and someone, okay? And one of the first things that we're concerned about When we are thinking about sharing the fact that we have anxiety is whether or not that person will be confidential. What we say to them. It's, you know, they say Las Vegas, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. When you have a conversation with someone, a friend, um, about something like this, you want to make sure that it's someone that will keep that between the two of you. And I understand that sort of concern. We want there to be confidentiality. But also one of the things that kind of stands in our way is, is sort of an issue of pride because we don't, we're worried about what people think of us. And so we're, we're concerned about sharing something that's really important for us to share, but we're worried that they might think that we shouldn't actually be experiencing something like that. And we need to get beyond that in our lives. We need to be able to talk about these things and not allow our feelings like that to keep us quiet about our anxiety. In Galatians chapter six, verse two, the apostle Paul says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Let me say it this way. please, please. Please, please, please. Please, talk about it. If you are struggling with anxiety, talk about it. Find that someone and talk to them. Talk to them. Talk to them. It's so important. Number two, This one's going to, these are all going to aggravate you. So let's just get used to it. It's kind of like that fly flying in front of my face right now. It's aggravating me. They're all going to aggravate you. So just just right now, just say, okay, it's all right. Okay, just take a breath. Uh, But uh, number two, incorporate activity into your day. And some of you are like, you don't understand how busy I am. You don't understand how tired I am. But let me just give me some time here because I think anxiety wants it. It, it causes us to want to feel like we want to crawl in a hole. Okay, does that sound? And you guys, you, there's a lot of pressure on me this morning. I'm just saying. Okay, we have we <laughs> we have two two uh, people that that teach psychology at at Northern that are part of our church family, and they're both in this service. And so if I'm if I say something out of line, I'm going to get shouted down. Okay, so. All right. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, we'll talk about it later, yes. Um, but but it makes us want to crawl in a hole. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, the first part of the verse. Get, get this. It's, he said, physical training is of some value. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. That, that makes total sense that you said amen there. Physical training is of some value. Now, there are other things in our lives, such as spiritual training, that are equally gra- of greater importance. But Paul is not, he's not saying that it, it's not valuable to do physical training. He said there's some value to it, okay? So let's talk about that. I'm not talking about, now Phil <laughs> Phil will talk about, it, he, he wants you to be a gym rat, okay? I totally understand that. That's not what I'm talking about right now. So if you're concerned that what I'm suggesting is that you need to be a gym rat in order to combat uh, anxiety in your life, you're probably over about about that. And that's not what I'm saying. But uh, we need to make it sustainable. Whatever that activity is, we need to make it so that something that we can we can sustain. Don't be like Preston. Preston um, is a, a wonderful friend of mine. I've known him since he was in high school. I was his youth pastor, and then he served on staff with us here for <clears throat> about four years. And um, and Preston, the other day, uh, he ran Grandma's uh, marathon in. Duluth, Minnesota <clears throat> a friend of his said, "Hey, be great if, if we all ran this, this, uh, the marathon. you know that's 26.2 miles." And he said, "That's a great idea." And he's a, he's a great athlete, you know he, he ran a marathon last year, so he's like, "I know I can do it. It's no big deal." And he kind of took the training a little bit, not very serious, and he didn't do all the training regimen, and he said that was, it was great. Till I was at 25 mi- or 20 miles, and he said, at 20 miles, I realized I had made a major mistake. <laughs> now, don't do that. Don't just, don't try to bite off more than you can chew, okay? Do it in, in a way that, that you can incorporate it into your life. It's sustainable. It's, you're, you're not biting off uh, more than you, you should, and, and one of the best things that you can do is you can walk you know i i i have a cardiologist okay and and a cardiologist or a person that is an exercise physiologist they will tell you that walking is an excellent exercise i'm sure that phil will absolutely confirm that that walking is a fantastic exercise and you can say you know what i'm going to do i'm going to do a 15 minute walk tonight after dinner and the dishes are done I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that time. And then you know what? Call a friend or a neighbor and say, hey, do you want to go for a walk with me? And then what do you do when you get together and you go for a walk with someone? You talk. So you've now hit one and two just by taking that 15-minute walk. Make it sustainable. Incorporate it into your life. My, one of my fav- most favorite moments of my, of my normal runs it's, it's not the run, it's the 10 minutes afterwards that I'm standing at the corner talking to my running buddy. It's, it just, it means so much. So let's incorporate some activity into our daily lives. Number three, let's make rest a priority. Now, it's difficult to rest when you're anxious. It's hard. And it's so funny because you're totally exhausted, and yet it's hard to rest. We feel tired all the time. It feels like our mind never stops. Psalm chapter 4 and verse 8, this verse is really important to me because um, our daughter Becca... um, uh, this was something that in my devotions one day I was reading in Psalms, and I'd read it numerous times before, but it just really hit me. And I thought, wow, this is really something that, that would speak to my daughter, Becca. And I, and I you know, called her or texted her the verse. <clears throat> and um, as young kids do, she decided, I'm going to get that verse tattooed to my foot and I was like, well, if my kid's gonna get a tattoo, Psalm 48 is a pretty good tattoo to have. And I told her she had to memorize it if she got if you get it tattooed, you have to have it memorized. I will not have a kid that has a tattoo of a scripture verse and doesn't know that verse. But this verse is really important to us. In peace I lie down and sleep. Boy, sometimes that'd be really great, wouldn't it? <clears throat> For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. What did Jesus say in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 10? He said, come to me, and I will give you rest. We read in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, that on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth days, God created the earth. But what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. And he wasn't even tired. But he rested. We need to discipline ourselves so that we are resting appropriately. I'm I'm, I'm pretty um, firm with my bedtime. Ooh, thank you. I'm pretty firm with my bedtime. Um, Mainly because I know, depending on the time of the year, either at 5.30 or 6, I know that my running buddy's gonna be standing on the corner. (laughs) And so I gotta get the right kind of sleep. And so... Um, and, and like if you will not see me on a Saturday evening out, you know, out and about in Marquette if it's past dinner. OK, I, I don't I don't you know, I am all about getting to bed and being ready. OK, so I, I do that on a, on a just really a daily basis in my life. But I, I discipline myself to be able to get the rest ultimately that I need. next number 4 don't isolate <clears throat> anxiety tends to cause isolation in our lives remember i said that <clears throat> when you feel anxious you just want to crawl into a hole okay there's nobody else in that hole nobody else is in that hole that's why we like to go there we want to dig we want to get in that thing and get in deep because nobody else is there. It's too small to fit anybody else. It's just big enough for us. We just want to crawl in that thing. The book of Proverbs says that if we're alone and we fall down, we might not be able to get up. But if we have someone with us, if we have a friend with us, that friend will be able to help get us up. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, <clears throat> first part of the verse it says not giving up meeting together as, the, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Being with other people encourages us. I don't know about you, but when I get together on Sunday with the church, I feel encouraged. I feel encouraged. we play softball on Tuesdays and once in a while on Thursdays. Phil's part of the team. Uh, Pastor Ben's part of the team. Uh, And we, I I really enjoy it. And when I get done playing softball, I get home and I mean, it's a rush, you know, got to get something to eat. And then because of You know, I'm going to be running in the morning. I got to, okay, all right, I got to hurry up and get, you know, so I can get to bed and get the sleep I need. It, It puts you in a rush. I feel better every night when I get home from softball because I have been with people. I've been with people. I have had fun with them. I've enjoyed my time with them and I've gotten to know them better. I'm not isolating myself. Jesus look at look at look at the scripture what it talks about the church the early church it says they got together on a daily basis they they gathered together in the temple courts to pray they read the word together and they they spent time having meals with each other in their homes look at how about how about Jesus what did Jesus do himself personally we we don't think about this but Jesus had these guys that he hung out with for three years. Who are they? They're the disciples, right? We've known that forever. But we don't think about it maybe, but Jesus had three of the 12 that were another level up. Peter, James, and John. Those That was the inner circle. Did you know that Jesus even had one that was the closest was the Apostle John. And he was probably in his late teens at that point in his life. So Jesus not only had his 12, but he had three and he had one. Jesus did not isolate himself and he, he spent time alone, but he didn't isolate himself. He had people in his life. well, I can uh, remember a time in my life when I was a kid, and, and I'll make this really quick, but we, um, uh, I grew up in Janesville, Wisconsin, <clears throat> and um, our neighborhood had some empty lots in it, and um, there was a lot of room to roam for us, and um, we, uh, one night, we'd do this a lot, but if it rained in the summertime at night, we would go out with a flashlight. Did anybody ever do this before? Okay, I'm seeing some a few heads shaking. We would look for night crawlers. And one time we hit it perfect. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I mean, they were everywhere. And we just mopped up. A couple neighbor boys, myself, my brother. And we, we had so many. We're like, what are we going to do? We could never use all these fish and there's too many. We'll sell them. We'll be We'll be rich. We'll be rich. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. And we were so excited. And I don't know what happened the next day, but we got in a, a disagreement. And I remember it was so serious, we divided up those night crawlers that next day because we were, we were done. Our friendship was over. And I said, I remember, I was probably 10. I remember saying, fine, I don't care. I'm just fine without you. And a, about a week later, I, I realized I just had this ache in my heart because I played baseball every day with David and Raymond. And I missed these guys. They lived two houses away. They had a pool. You know, there's lots of reasons <laughs> to, to mend these fences. And I, I remember I went to him and I said, I was wrong. I do need you. I said, I, I remember saying, I don't need you anyway. I was wrong, absolutely wrong. Don't isolate. Number five, take control of your mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. How many times I have prayed that prayer in my bed at night, over and over and over. God, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I prayed it, not dozens, way, way, way more than that, hundreds of times. And I would even do it repetitively because I'm laying there, I've got anxiety and I cannot go to sleep. And what am I going to do? I need to control my mind. And so I remind myself that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And I'll tell you what, that has made such a difference for me personally. Psalm 63 verse 6, the psalmist says, on my bed, I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night. I don't know about you, but anxiety is most difficult for me at night. I generally don't feel a lot of anxiety during the daytime. If I'm going to ever feel anxiety, it's going to be at night. When I go to bed, uh, and the worst is if I wake up. If I wake up in the middle of the night, it's like, uh uh-oh, now now we're in trouble. Now we're going to have to think about this for a while. But I believe that what Scripture is telling us here is that we can reprogram our thoughts. Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word worry means don't be over-anxious. Don't be over anxious. And and it's it, it. There, yes, the world has trouble. There are bad things in the world. There are uh, there's depravity in the world. Yes, there are bad things that happen. But we can let those things. We can let them worry about themselves. We can put that off until tomorrow. But as for today, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And I believe Jesus is commanding us to take control of our minds. Number six, we've got to give it to Jesus. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The word cast means to throw upon, throw upon. When Benjamin, uh, Pastor Ben, was a, a little boy, <clears throat> we would play catch every day. And when he got to little league age, we intensified Catch! We made it into a game and we would throw harder and harder and harder and step closer and closer because as an infielder, you needed to be able to catch that ball, get it out of your uh, glove hand and into your throwing hand and be able to make that throw. Now, that's the only way you're going to be able to get a double play is if you can do that bang, bang. And we would do it, I mean, we went back and forth, back harder and harder and harder and closer and closer. And to the point where now I will not play catch with him at all. Warm up? Nope. Hey, Phil, handle, handle him for me, would you? I can't do it because it hurts my hand so bad. He throws so hard. That word does not mean throw hard and far. Like, I want to get rid of my anxiety, so I'm just going to throw it as far away from me as I possibly can. It doesn't mean that. It says cast upon. Imagine you're holding on your shoulder a 50-pound bag of corn, and you want to get this off your shoulder, and you're going to put it somewhere. What do you do? You do this. That's what we're talking about. Cast your anxiety, throw it upon Jesus because he can be your burden bearer. It is something, not that you wind up and throw it as far as you can. It's something that's weighing you down that you literally just get the momentum going and and heave it up there and let Jesus ultimately take care of it. So question number two, what hope do we have? Um. I want, to, I want to talk for a moment about hope. Paul talks about hope in 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. 13. Uh, he talks about um, now these three remain faith, hope, and love. Let's talk about hope for just a moment because I think it's very powerful. And um, there's a, a, a study that was done in the 50s by a guy named Kurt Richter. And um, I'm not going to give you all of his credentials right now. And I want you to know that a study like this would never be allowed to be done today. Everybody got that? Okay. Would never be, <laughs> would never be allowed to be done today. And it was a study with rats. And he would take a rat one at a time and put them in a bucket of water. And, and rats can swim pretty well. And the strong swimmers, on average, would live... 15 minutes in the water, and then they would drown. So they established this baseline, and and this is the part, it it just wouldn't be allowed to happen today. So, but then there was a second study that was done in conjunction by the same guy. And the second study was that at the moment that, that rat was gonna succumb and drowned, and he would stop fighting and he would begin to sink, the researcher would reach into the water and pluck that rat out and put it down and actually dry it off and give it a little rest for just a little bit and then pick it up and put it back in the bucket. Now, the study found that the first group of rats, the good swimmers, they, would, they could last 15 minutes. So now you have these rats that are being put in a second time They've already been swimming for 15 minutes. Now they're going back into the water a second time. They didn't last 15 minutes. They didn't last an hour. They were able to swim for 60 hours. 60, six zero. Look at the study. You can research it. it real easy to find. Just Google it. 60 hours. What makes the difference between 15 minutes and 60 hours? That's a pretty big difference. Rats are intelligent animals. That's why they use them for studies. And I believe that what the difference is, is that rat now realizes that some big hand could come out of the sky and pick me up. And I've got to do what Dory did on Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And it gave them hope. And hope is very, very powerful. The question for you and I is what gives us hope? What what are we holding on to? What are we putting our hope in? What are we counting on to rescue us? Is it our career? Is it, knowledge? Is it wealth? Is it accomplishment? What is it? Power, position? What is it? These are all temporary things and they won't last. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I remember the old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. God's promise of eternal life has been made to us through Jesus Christ. He never lies. He never changes. And he calls you and I to take that hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, into a lost world. That's part of our job. Question number three, how can I help? How can I help? I know what you're thinking, right? As soon as we, we turn the corner to this, you're thinking, I am not a professional counselor. Neither am I. Neither am I. I've testified in the stand as a spiritual advisor, but not, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a licensed counselor. Most pastors are not. Most people are not. I had the the privilege of uh, hearing somebody in our community that came a few weeks ago. His name was David Woods Bartley, and he said the three most important words in mental health are this connection, connection, and connection. So, what can I do? Let me give you four easy things, and you might not like it. Number one. Stick around after church. I told you you wouldn't like it. Make yourself available to people. Hebrews 13, 2, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. We don't know everybody that we're in church with, and you don't know what they're going through, but they might need you. Stick around. And I I. I I realize, you know, I'm, I'm not shearing the sheep here, okay? I'm not, I'm not scolding us. But we can get so caught up sometimes and so focused on the need to get things done. And we're thinking, oh, Taylor better wrap it up because I got I to get to Menards, you know? I got, I got stuff to do. I got projects, you know? And I'm glad you have those projects. But just remember that people are the most important thing. And to stick around can really make a difference in someone's life. Give your chance, yourself a chance to connect. Just slow down. Just take a breath and be present in the moment. Number two, it's not going to get any better, guys. Get out of your circle. Get out of your circle. Um, I, I'm going to pick on somebody. Jan, you don't have a circle, Jan. Jan, Jan Jan, doesn't have a circle. Everybody's in her circle, okay? But not everybody's like that. Get out of your circle. Romans 5.17, Paul says this, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. It's so easy to get stuck in our circle. Our circle is comfortable. Our circle is easy. Our circle is familiar. We like our circle, I, I, I know I'm not wrong. I have not been shouted down yet. We like our circle. We need to break out of our circle and accept other people. I'm gonna let you in on a secret. Lean in just a little bit. It's not about you. That's revolutionary for 2022 in America in the church. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about other people. We need to to get out of our circle. Number three, remember people's names. I'll tell you this story real quick, super fast. New family came to the church. This was years ago. They've since moved away, but I've told it even when they were here wife introduces me to the husband <clears throat> and I don't know what my brain, why my brain heard it, but I thought she said Mark and I'm Mark this and Mark that for three months. One Sunday, his family comes with them to church and I'm Mark, 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 Mark and he leans over and he goes, it's Steve. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's hard. I mean, that's just tough, okay? But you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I gotta I gotta keep now I try to do a better job than that. And if I have to write it down, I wanna I wanna be able to remember. We need to be able to do this. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is walking through town, and, and the, there's a big crowd, and there's a guy that's vertically challenged that wants to be able to see, and he can't see over people, so he climbs a sycamore tree, and the Bible says Jesus goes up to the tree. I do not think that God the Father gave him miraculously this guy's name. I think he heard people talking about it. You see that guy up there? Bad news. Bad, that's Zacchaeus. He's a cheat, he's a swindler, he works for the Romans, stay away from him. Jesus makes a beeline for his tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down because we're going to your house. The use of that man's name was powerful. When you use someone's name after you've been introduced to them. What you're saying is, in this busy life of mine, I have been able to arrange my thoughts in such a way that I can remember who you are. And that's powerful. We need to remember people's, man, that was good. I wish that was that good in the first service. You want to look like a genius? Remember somebody's name. You meet them once, you see them in Walmart, they will freak out and tell their friends. It's the truth. You'll look like a genius and they'll feel like a million bucks. Absolutely. Number four, this is so easy. Send a card. Send a card. You know, we've lost that ability in our culture today. We've lost it. 1 Thessalonians chapter five verse eleven. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Hebrews three thirteen. But encourage one another daily. One of the best ways is to do a, to do a card. I write lots of cards. I write lots of cards. But then I get cards sometimes, and I got a card from somebody. I did a funeral uh, for his mother. I did not know her, I did not know him. I got called last minute because there, the, the, the person that was gonna officiate was sick and I, I met with the family and the, the guy, no, almost, no, almost nobody does this. Almost This is like the second one I've got from a family that I didn't know. And I got this card. And there are words in this card that jump out at me and literally just like bear hug me. Bear hug. Do you realize that by doing something like this, if you were doing this to someone who is suffering from anxiety, that even for a moment your card pulls them back into reality and encourages them? So this guy that I mentioned earlier that I got to hear, David Woods Bartley, he says, connection creates hope, hope saves lives. And I close with this. Last Wednesday, um, our staff, was, we were having lunch in the, the, the cafe, which we do almost every day. And we're having lunch together, and we see uh, state Patrol. Car pull around the backside of Harvey Baptist, and the officer got out and walked over to the um, to the community gardens. And then we saw a an EMS vehicle came. They get out, they bring the gurney, and we're thinking, well, somebody's working in their garden, and and they just got a little overheated, and maybe they fainted or something like that. Well, then the gurney comes back, but. You know, the gurney, you couldn't see the person because the person was inside a body bag. Within a very short period of time, we found out because we live in a small town. And, and I called the chief. Our police chief wanted to offer whatever I could It was somebody that is a resident over here in Silver Creek Estates. You think they were suffering from some anxiety? Enough so that they left their house, walked out to this space so that someone would find them, and violently took their own lives, their own life. And I asked myself the question, What connection, what connection could have helped? Like a hand coming down into the bucket of your anxiety and plucking you out at the last moment. What connection? What connection? Less than 300 feet from the edge of our parking lot. Connection creates hope, and hope saves lives. And we have the hope of Jesus Christ. These lyrics that Hannah's playing, I want us to sing those. Let's stand together, and then we'll close in prayer. Father, I just want to pray for these folks that are gathered here today that they might be dealing with anxiety in their own hearts, their own lives, or maybe they have a a close friend or a family member that's dealing with it and this has given them some some hope and how to be an encouragement. Whether it's you or whether it's a friend or a family member, but if that, if that describes you or someone in your life, I just want you to slip your hand up so that we can close and pray for you. Just don't hesitate to slip your hand up. Thank you. Yes, yes. Father, you see these hands. Father, they symbolize lives. They symbolize people. And we can think, well, it's no big deal. But yet, but yet 300 feet from our own parking lot, someone came to the point where they felt that the world, everybody who knew them would be better off without them. One of the two thoughts that people feel when they get to that point. And God, I pray. That if if someone is here and they are feeling that sort of anxiety, Father, that they would get our heart that says to them right now, we love you, we care about you. Father, help us to take that message of hope to others who may be struggling with anxiety that we may provide them hope. God, I pray that we'll connect with them, that they'll receive hope, and that hope, the hope of Jesus, will save their life. Father, we thank you for that hope of Jesus. God, I pray your blessing to be upon these people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.